You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, I am broadcasting tonight under my blankets. It's a cold night in New York. It's a one rare night. I am not out reveling in the holiday spirit, and I got to tell you, this is rather delightful. A nice, warm, cozy Vera Bradley blanket. I have this Thursday night game on mute, and when you get old like me, some of these nights aren't so bad. That was the saddest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Well, when you're on the outside looking in for the playoffs, Grump, you have to look at your physical health, because your mental health will probably be shot. (laughs) Um, Speaking of which, the Giants are at an outside shot to enter the playoffs this year. Believe it or not, after starting 1-7, and it would be quite a feat to even back way into the into the playoffs at eight and eight, but it is possible, um, and we're going to go over all that, including the upcoming game on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans at home at one o'clock. But first, uh, just be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud, uh, so that you can get all these episodes as they come out. So you don't have to search for them either. You can just kind of open up your your app there, whether it's SoundCloud or iTunes, on your way to work this Friday morning. And there uh, it is. Yeah, and there it is, ready for you to listen to while you sit in traffic. Yeah, I mean, Grump, talking about the playoffs, you know, I think we've had a pretty consistent uh, stance saying it's a pipe dream, don't think about it. However, if things break our way this weekend, I don't think it's no longer a pipe dream, and it's something we can really start you know, taking seriously as a possibility. I mean, I wouldn't be booking any flights to Dallas or – Chicago or anywhere just yet, but this is the last week where things, if they break our way, we can start considering it as a possibility. That's all you really want as a fan. Normally when, you know, teams are in this kind of scenario where they have to win every remaining game and then like five or six other things have to happen, it's almost, it is as projected as a less than 1% chance of happening. However, of all the things that have to fall into place, it's not that unlikely that the outside scenarios that need to take place happen. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a strange year in the NFC where some of the teams we expected to be powerhouses and started out as powerhouses sort of fizzled down the stretch for no apparent reason. Uh, I mean, take teams like Philadelphia for some for 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 example. Yeah. Um, you know, we expected Carson Wentz to be eased in this year, coming off his injury late last year and be hot around this time of year, and instead they've been inconsistent at best. That's the best adjective I could give them. And now he's probably out for the year. Yeah, that's that's sort of breaking news today. This is Thursday, that the back issue he's been dealing with is actually a fracture, which is, you know... It actually sounds worse than it actually is from a, you know, from his life standpoint, but fractured back is something that needs to be taken care of first for sure oh for sure and i i do think that it's something that they're gonna have to seriously worry about for every year when i think about back fractures and playing i think about tony tony romo and Mm -hmm. despite you know playing well once that back fracture happened it seemed to be a lingering issue every year after that until it pretty much forced him into retirement although i think you could argue that the elevated play of dak prescott really forced the hand (laughs) 
Well, he had multiple concussions too. Romo it didn't help anything either, right? Of course, yeah. But I, I think it is ultimately the best because I mean I remember every week it was one of those things where the update was he can play. It's going to be a question of his pain tolerance, kind of thing. Right. Right. And you know, given his age, etc. But you know, Carson Wentz is a young guy coming off of an ACL injury, and now he's got a back injury. He's he's so young to be having this happen in his career. You know, it's just it's, yeah. it's it's funny. You know, it, it could it can go a number of different ways. You know, in a couple of years, we may have forgotten that this even happened. Uh, the question I have for you, Grump, is: Did he ever sign a long term extension? The Eagles did not yet do the extension. There were talks on the table about a very very large contract. Right. Um, but now these injuries have sort of. <laughs> let's just put that on the back burner. Yeah. But speaking of the Giants' path to the playoff, let's let's break that down really quickly before we get into uh, this yeah. weekend. Uh, yeah. So a number of things had to happen, you know, starting this week, uh, obviously. But uh, even even Monday night, where Seattle had to beat Minnesota, and in a a very tight, you know, I guess it was a defensive battle, right? Yeah. I wouldn't say that that was necessarily offensive ineptitude, but... Maybe that is ineptitude because they fire their offensive coordinator right after the game. Well, that's ineptitude. Um, (laughs) But, you know, a lot of reports were that uh, DiFilippo and Mike Zimmer just didn't get along. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people's backlash about that was that he's a serious head coaching candidate and that it maybe it was a mistake to fire him. But, you know, I guess at the same time, if they're not on the same page, that's not going to help the team either, so... Right, and there was talk in the off season that, um, you know, they wanted uh, what's the thing the other coordinator or other coach to be the offensive coordinator was passed over by him. So there wasn't nobody was really on the same page from the very beginning for it. So it's not Which, a shocking. Yeah. The mistake is there. You know, if they weren't on the same page, the hire shouldn't have been made. But I think it's ironic. We're well, not ironic, but just funny how, you know, they're saying, well, they still want to run uh, the Pat Shermer offense. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> the one we have. <laughs> well, I, I just think it's silly to want to run an offense when you don't have the coach for it. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's like saying seen... we want to run the Bill Belichick defense. Time and time again, we've seen that in the NFL and in college. Oh, we're going to keep the same scheme and the same aggressiveness and the same blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you're not him. So. Yeah. But Seattle did edge out Minnesota. And uh, so that was one thing that had to fall into place. Dallas also had to beat Philadelphia for that to happen, which happened Sunday night. Those were two things that had to happen, Seattle and Dallas winning. They did. Now, a couple of things have to happen. Uh, I guess it doesn't necessarily have to happen this week. But throughout the next three weeks, a couple things have to happen. And we'll take them team by team, okay? So one of them is that Carolina has to lose at least two of the three of the remaining games. They play New Orleans, Atlanta, and New Orleans again. Now, how possible do you think that is, given their slide? Uh, well, the problem is that New Orleans, the, second, the last game of the year, is probably meaningless to them. So that hurts. Um, I'm looking at it from a negative standpoint. Winning the first two? That's, it's possible. I mean, you know, New Orleans is not the same New Orleans they were a month ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate to be in this situation and, you know, People are always like, oh, it's not fair that teams tank in the last game of the year or rest players and stuff, but teams earn that right. Sure, yeah, I agree it's with that. It's not New Orleans. It's not Kansas City's. It's not these teams' job to worry about the fate of the team trying to be the sixth seed by 
playing. They've earned the right to rest their players if they don't feel it's important or anything. So let's start with that right off the bat. Um, those three games, what's the makeup? Where is it home, New Orleans, away, New Orleans, last game? or Home, then away. All right, well, I mean, that's uh, you know, that Atlanta game is the key, I guess. I don't want to you know, count on Atlanta, but it's, it's a possibility. Well, I mean, ideally, we don't want to count on any of this, but it's it's just of the course. reality of the situation, right? It's possible. We'll put that in the possible. I, I mean, I think that's actually closer to likely. Um, Carolina is is sliding, and Cam Newton is not exactly the mental. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't want to make this sound sarcastic, but he's not exactly the mental rock where he can shake things off. He very much gets into into grooves, right? He's either hot or right. he's real cold. Right. And lately he's been pretty pretty fucking cold and given that it's the end of the year it looks like they're on the outside looking in. I I just see him sliding. Um especially well, against why, tough division games. That's why I think as we go through this analysis of all these teams this week is the important one. You know, if, if these teams all lose this week, that's where, you know, negative mm-hmm. momentum starts and the doubt starts and all this stuff. If all these teams we need to win it becomes well they have to lose their last two. And you can you can pretty much forget it. Yeah. So this is a, this is a critical week where, for things we need to go our way, a majority of them. Let's get that out of the way in that first week, and then put the pressure on them for the final two. Uh, another one that has happened is that Philly has to lose two of three. Their remaining games are the Los Angeles Rams, the Houston Texans, and then the Washington Redskins. Um, lose two out of three, huh? Yeah. That could very easily be the next two games. Yeah, they're, they're, they're playing easy. in Los Angeles for the Rams game, which again, you know, the Coliseum I wouldn't say is a home field advantage for the Rams, um, but, but it's, it's not playing in Philadelphia. It's a trip out west. That's a yeah. It's not is the easiest thing on the body, and you know, no Carson Wentz. Yeah, and also a pretty banged up secondary against a team that. Can air raid it all over the place. Oh yeah, they made Dak Prescott look like a fucking pro bowler. It was <laughs> pathetic. I mean, I understand that Dallas won on a on a tip drill basically in overtime, but right. they abused a decimated secondary. And we could go off on a tangent on why the Giants did or didn't do that. Um, mm. But the, the fact remains is that that is a secondary ripe for the picking. Mm-hmm. Um, then they follow that up. They play at home, you know, which is a a thing for them, but. Uh, against the Texans, who have been absolutely red hot, probably the hottest team in the NFL. Yeah, until they screwed me last week in my uh, wins pool. But <laughs> I mean, they've they've just consistently won. Yeah, and they're not talked about nearly as much as the Saints were, or you know, the Chiefs were. Right. The last game is against the Redskins. Which by that time, who knows who the quarterback will be for that? And that will be a very very empty FedEx Field. Yeesh, God. I mean, you guys, you saw the game last Sunday. That place was half empty, and that's Giants-Redskins, for God's sakes. Yeah. I I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that not only is this one likely, I think it's likely to happen in the next two games. Yeah, um, I, I think. I'm not putting it in a uh, pen, but I'll put it in pencil. Yeah. We'll, we'll bring back our old uh, crayons and markers for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, Minnesota needs to lose two out of three. This this might be the hardest of the outside things that have to happen. Okay. Um, their remaining games are Miami, Detroit, and Chicago. That Chicago game could be meaningless for Chicago. Yeah. 
Uh, Miami, you said? Yeah, in Minnesota. Okay, and Detroit? Yeah. In Detroit. <laughs> I'll put that in the possible category. I mean, you never know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Miami just, I know it was a fluke, but they hung with New England just now. Yeah, I, I'll say I think that the Miami game goes in favor of Minnesota, but they're again they're coming off of firing their their offensive coordinator, right? Um, then they have to play at Detroit, a team that you know even though it's a new head coach, they've played decently well. It's you know good quarterback. They, they played some sneaky defense when they need to. Yeah, and and again Chicago when they're playing they're playing well. Uh, so if Chicago plays its starters, if they take the game seriously, Minnesota could easily lose that game, even though it's at home. Right, right. So I think this is the least likely of the ones that we've talked about so far, but it is possible. Yeah, definitely I, I, one of those games, like I said, you know, we'd like to have them take care of business and lose this week and not make it must scenarios for the last two. Yeah, yeah. Losing to Miami would be, I think... Again, one of those things that's devastating, you know, it just makes Kirk Cousins look bad. The team, you know, they, they start winding down the season instead of heating up. Right. Uh, the last outside thing that has to happen is that Green Bay has to lose one of the next three games. They play Chicago, the Jets, and Detroit. Where is that Chicago game? The Chicago game is in Chicago. That's your best bet. Yeah. Right there. The uh, the the Jets game is in New York. Yeah. And then who was the last one? Uh, Detroit. There's that Detroit again. We could be... Uh... And that's at, but that's in Lambeau. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, well, I mean, depends on what do you think getting rid of McCarthy. Does it give guys like Aaron Rodgers some new energy or, you know, or is it just this is a bad team? It, you know, it's too far gone this year. Um, I mean, we could have a whole Just Packers podcast, but it's a team <laughs> that I think has been buoyed and and held together by Aaron Rodgers. You know, some some bad drafting in the years, um, devaluing the same things that the Giants devalued, building from the outside in. You know, and it's a and it's a killer for the Packers because they are a team that I remember it was like maybe a two years ago, like. 45 of their 46 roster spots were draft picks. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't go for free agents. They don't trade. They don't even pick up that many, you know, unrestricted free agents. They draft, and that's how they build a team. Yeah, I mean, some of it's a little bit of bad luck, too. But, you know, the other things have just been that the rest of the division has finally picked up pace. I mean, Minnesota, obviously, that's the easy one to talk about. But Chicago has looked pretty good, especially with acquiring... You know Khalil Mack, which nobody really expected. Going, they're not into the doormats season. anymore, and, and and Detroit's not doormats anymore. Exactly, not. yeah. So I mean, they're not Super Bowl contenders, but they're also not. They're enough to to, to throw a wrench in that. Anymore. Yeah, sure. Um, and then the last remaining thing is that the Giants have to win out, which is, in my opinion, by far the hardest thing left. Yeah. Um, I mean. The Giants play the Tennessee Titans, who have who have been just surprisingly strong this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they play in Indianapolis against Andrew Luck, who has, in the first time in his career, an offensive line that protects him. 
Yeah. And, and Dallas week 17 at home, which, you know. Which either, could either be meaningless or could have 50,000 Cowboy fans at. Oh, I think there will be 50,000 Cowboy fans regardless. Uh-huh. You know, whether whether the, the team takes the game seriously or not is irrelevant to the kind of jackasses that show up. <laughs> that sounds like a you problem, not a me problem, because I will not be there. So, <laughs> Well, I guess, Grump, the bigger question, you know, I know everybody's getting, you know, visions of playoffs dancing in their heads and everything, but let's take this a step further. Mm-hmm. Assuming we win out. Okay. Assuming Minnesota loses two of three. Assuming... Philly loses two or three. All these teams happen, and we get in with the sixth seed. Based upon where we are getting into week 15, can this team actually win a playoff game once they get in, or is it one of those you work hard for the last month just to get your ass kicked and have no business being in the playoffs? You know, It's a question that has a different answer than it did after week two and week nine, but I'm curious, like as a snapshot right now, you know, thinking about our potential opponent in that wild card Saturday or Sunday, what do you think? So the only scenario in which the Giants get into the playoffs is that they wind up at Soldier Field and they play the Chicago Bears, whom they've already beaten, albeit with but, Chase Daniel at quarterback yes. and at home. Yes. Um, you're still looking at something else. I mean, yes, I, I think that they could win that game. Um, it will be much more difficult than what they had. But the real key to that game and what we said before we watched it on, on this podcast was how the hell are they going to protect Eli Manning? We thought he was going to get buried he did. in that game. And that absolutely was not the case. So I, I had no doubt that they would play well against Chase Daniel. But I had no expectations of them offensively doing anything. And, you know, they, they put up 30 points. I will uh, I will quote the tweet of a wise man on Twitter, the football grump, who said, "Do not look at these games as beating two backup quarterbacks the last couple of weeks. Yeah, look at the offense that was scored against some pretty decent defenses. Yeah, and not only scored against, but but played well. I mean, you know, there was some defensive scores the last two weeks, and sure, that absolutely helps. It helps an offense besides <laughs> yeah. helping the scoreboard. You know, it gives you some." Some uh, you know leniency in what you can play call. It gives you a little changes bit of a cushion. everything. But sure. but aside from that, um, th- there was just domination in the trenches. I mean, forget the defense. Uh, you know the seventy-eight yard touchdown run by Saquon Barkley just knifed through a very good defensive front. And it wasn't right. that wasn't Barkley avoiding two tackles in the backfield and then finding a crease. That was absolutely blocked that way. Um, Remember something, too, that as this offensive line transforms from being god-awful, it's still at the kind of the inconsistent stage. There are still going to be, you know, plays where Eli is a deer in the headlights and is going to get sacked. But that's not an indication that they're just a terrible offensive line anymore. When you're seeing it once a series, that's when you start to get frightened. If it happens once a half, that's football. That's just football, yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think that, yeah, if they get into Chicago, I would say that they have about a 30% chance to win, which is pretty decent. I did, the bigger picture here is that this is a team that's coming off 3-13, and 13, that has eliminated all coaches 
the GM and completely brought in new guys. They flipped the entire roster. By all rights, this team should not have been in the playoffs this year. If they get in, that's accomplishment in itself. And I think that even if they go in and they get killed, they still go into the offseason. Uh, I think, A, they go into the offseason with a chip on their shoulder. And, B, they go into the offseason on a hot streak. I think that I think that there is some truth to the connecting wins from season to season, especially for younger guys. Well, I also think it's important, too, that free agents, because we're going to have a lot of cap money. I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. it, Grump, with the The cap, the increase cap is number like 190 out. or something? I saw something. We might have up to $33 million in cap mm-hmm. space next year, assuming not, you know, guys aren't cut that, you know, we've talked quite a bit about the guys we think might get smoked. So that number might even go up. But. You know, you don't want to be in a situation where you're not attractive to free agents. Like, why am I going to go there? Why am I going to go to Arizona and be 4-12? and 12? You know, if all things considered equal. So having the extra money, and it's always something that's attractive that you want to come here, is very important, too. With the extra money, there's the, the upswing, too. I mean, do, do you want to go to the, the New York Jets, who, you know, in reality probably aren't far away from where the Giants are in terms of roster, talent, and strength, but... You know, they just they ended the year down, but ending the the year up, you know, going seven and one out theoretically, is is a team you'd probably want to join. So, Grump, there was a year I think it was twenty twelve or twenty thirteen where we started off like zero and eight, and had a big run at the end of the season, ended like seven and nine. So, you know, I'm curious, you know, what was the carryover which you mentioned? Can that happen again here? And what what are the positive effects of, of it? I'm trying to remember what happened that off season, but it's not like this is unprecedented. Where you know this team has made a second half comeback to be respectable. And the question is, what happens? Does it carry over? So, so the year you're talking about is 2013. The Giants went 0 and 6 to start the season. They ended at 7 and 9. <laughs> uh, the next year um, is the year they drafted Beckham at. The twelfth pick overall. Okay. Any free agents? Do you recall? That was the year where they brought in Rashad Jennings, which you know at the time we were like, eh, whatever. But wound up being a staple for three years. Sure. sure. Two years. Jeff sure. Schwartz was the big one. Yes. You know, he he never panned out because of injury, which we we just got the bad luck at end of the stick. But he was, I believe, the highest ranked guard in the free agent but, pool that but year. But the point is that these are signings we made. You know, what happened to him is irrelevant to what we're talking about now. Yeah, how about how about this one? Dominique Rogers Camardi was signed that offseason. Yeah. JD Walton, Walter Thurmond. This was the year that we thought the secondary was going to be amazing because we had Cromarty, Amukamara, and um That's Walter right. Thurmond. And what ended up happening is Amukamara didn't finish the year and Thurmond was out by like the second week. Right. Um but you know, and, and also John Jerry was signed. You know, he was a little bit of a um I I guess uh we got a bargain for him because he was somewhat involved in the uh whatever the hell happened down there in Miami with the bullying of correct. whoever that was. That's correct. Um but yeah, I mean I guess we were an attractive team. We had some money to spend and we I guess appeared to be on the upswing. Yeah. I know that also Cromarty was a little bit he was swayed in because he was very close with Antrell Roll, who was still here. That's true. 
but but, but you know, know something though maybe there could be guys on this team now that are swayers for other potential free agents too and it's it's a lot easier to say hey look what we did second half of the year than saying oh jesus we're three and 13 you know well look odell beckham is going to be a guy that people consider whenever the giants call they're sure. going to consider the fact that they get to play with him especially if they're playing on offense hey guess what What's everybody up? now everybody now wants to play with Saquon Barkley. Well, yeah, there's that too. That's gonna, that's going to be the interesting dynamic on this team going forward is who is that Pied Piper? Who is, you know, cuz you know, again, we live in New York, so we're a little bit in the bubble here, but my sense is that Saquon Barkley is going to be one of the, you know, three most popular people in this league along with guys like Mahomes, you know. So it'd be interesting to see how that changing of the guard goes for, you know, not only fans and, you know, giant fans and NFL fans, but their peers. Well, hey, guess what? It it kind of doesn't matter because they're signed pretty much all the way through together. Yeah, that's true. Nevertheless, I mean, so so whatever whatever offensive free agent signing the Giants, you know, seek, they know they're getting at something close to four years with both Beckham and Barkley. That's right. So that alone in itself has to be attractive. Right. Um, The one thing it's not attractive though, and it's something that, you know, has to be considered, even though he's been playing well the second half of this year is who's throwing me the ball for the next four years. So that's, you know, that's a TBD. Yeah. Agreed. Let me throw another little sidebar question for you. Do you think that Gettleman regrets the purge of snacks and um, uh, what's his name? Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, with this potential playoff run, or do you think it's you know whatever? We have a long-term vision and a plan. This is what we're doing. Well, why should he? Well, I mean, if we had a snacks and an apple, is this defense better? Are there games that we didn't that we wouldn't have lost since they've been gone that maybe helped our situation? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the question back at you in a way that's a little bit elementary and juvenile, um, and it's not the way it should be looked at. But but very simply, have the Giants won without them? Fair point. Fair point. Um, you know, which, of course, there's which, a zillion other things to consider, such as exactly. I mean, I don't think the problems why they were losing in the beginning were because no, we couldn't stop the run over the middle, or that you know the secondary is getting gashed. But but what we've seen in the weeks without them is that B.W. Webb is not as bad as we thought. Grant yeah. Haley definitely deserves to be you know a, a nickel Took defender. A yeah, um, B.J. Hill has come alive already. You know the things we've seen step up in their place for cheap. You know. I'm not going to say that we don't miss Snacks Harrison. I'm agreeing with you. I, I'm just, I'm just curious. Just throwing it out there is, you know, if we come this close to making the playoffs, you think, you think Giant fans, and more importantly, you think guys like Gettleman regret what they did? And I think Gettleman absolutely does not. That, I, I think Giants fans are probably still sour about uh, Snacks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but nevertheless, you know. They'll forget about that if next year the return on the draft picks that they acquired for him, you know, lands somebody who becomes a a superstar. 
or and they're packaged up for that dream quarterback they want. That's or that's whatever. what I mean. I I don't mean the actual picks being used on a guy. I mean if if that pick is used as a as a you know a selling point that helped them move up and get a guy, mm-hmm. they'll forget that Snacks was you know needed this year when Snacks it becomes the Warren. reason we win next year. Yeah, he wasn't exactly Warren Sapp either, guys. So yeah, I, I, like, in a lot of me, I I love the guy. Um, yeah. I think he's been snubbed out of the Pro Bowl for like the last three years now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I I don't think Gettleman. I think I think this, if anything, is vindication that what Gettleman has done has worked. Yeah, the answer is you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think if he went back into the time machine they would undo those trades because you're right. I don't think it would make that much of a difference in the long haul. Down to uh, brass tacks here. Um, the Giants <laughs> was, are hosting. It sounds very painful. <sighs> Doesn't it sound like you're walking on this on the on the floor, and all of a sudden you get a thumbtack right in your heel? I imagine sitting on them for some reason. Uh, no, to me it's a it's a foot thing. So. Off. Thank you. This ends the fetish portion of the Just Giants podcast. Back get off the phone, Rex Ryan. <laughs> um. The Giants are hosting the Titans at MetLife Stadium, I think, for maybe the second time ever. Um, and Sounds it, right. This is our 10th season. You play a is, minimum. No, 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 no. This is the 8th season. It opened in 2010. the 8th season? It opened in 2010. All right. So it's the 8th season. Yeah. Um, the uh, He's getting old and senile. Yeah, really. The game's at 1. Um and both teams look relatively healthy. I mean, I guess the biggest news is that Beckham, we're still not really sure. You know, this is being taped on a Thursday, so all we really know at this point is that Beckham went for a second opinion because his quadricep did not feel right. Um, all I know is shit ain't right. Yeah. That, that, that is the, the famous Beckham quote from this. Is They asked He's, what was wrong. He just said, I don't know. Shit ain't right. He said he gave one thumbs up, and he says he hopefully by Sunday will have two thumbs up. So... The next time you hear a player say, I doubt I'm playing Sunday, will be the first. Yep. But at least he is saying the right things. What is your prediction, Grump? Will he be playing Sunday? I'm thinking he's out for one more I, week. I agree. Um, I, and I, if he is not ready to play, I applaud this coaching staff for not playing him. Of course. Play for a pipe dream. Yeah. I, I, I'm serious about that. I think... You might hear some of the lunatic fringe bitching and moaning. You know, and of course, you know, the Beckham haters are all out there. Like, you know, another example of him not being a team player, being selfish, blah, 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 blah. Hey, we're That's not talking all- about Mike Francesa, are we? <laughs> That's all horseshit. Because none of you people are doctors. And you know something? We just went on a five-minute discussion. Is this team even worthy of being in the playoffs? Can they do anything? This is a guy we've just signed for a lot of money. For a lot of years, you don't fuck around. No, yeah, and and like we said, it's it's an outside shot. Even though I think it's more than a one percent chance, I don't think it's much. I think it's still under ten percent chance of it happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and no, I mean we 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 are building towards the future. If we get into the playoffs this year, that is an excellent thing that I I think would be really good for morale. But. Uh, you know, We're not sacrificing anything just to make it. We are a step back looking at this season as a building block. Um, and it is not wise to put all your eggs in this season's basket. So that's that's what you'd be doing by playing a guy who is not 100%. 
on the Tennessee side of injuries, you know, they're they're relatively healthy. I mean, they have some guys on IR that have that have really hurt them, like Jack Conklin, um, you know, Delaney Walker, a reliable target for Marcus Mariota, probably the most reliable target over the years for him. Um, but they've they've managed without them. This week it looks like they're going to be without Brian Arakpo, but at this point in his career, I think he's only a rotational pass rusher on a very good defense. And Taylor Lewan looks like he's going to play, but he's been banged up a little bit. He might be somebody who might be ailing throughout the game, uh, which is a big thing, you know, the left tackle. So uh, there, there is a little bit of injury news there. Tennessee's a strange team. It's one of those teams that can look really, really bad and all of a sudden knock off someone really, really good. And it's almost like, what week do you catch them? So I, I, I can, it's one of those teams you can never get a real read on them. Ever. Yeah, like. yeah I, I think I agree with you. They're, they're, they're built in a very funny way, and it's kind of the way the Giants are built, but they do have the mobile quarterback that Giants fans want so badly. I think this year, more so than any other year he's played, Marcus Mariota is not really looking to run. There are a very small amount of designed runs for him, but I think they've really tried to protect his health and coach that out of him. And, you know, he might extend plays now where in the back in the, in the past right. few years he would be scrambling a little bit. And, sure, he can make get the first down with his feet, but it's really risking him, you know. He's playing more like an Aaron Rodgers type of. Very much so, thing. yeah. Uh, let's back up a second. You said how much the Giant fan desperately wants a running quarterback. I would say a, really, mo- a more mobile quarterback, not somebody who's a statue. More mobile than Eli, that basically means 98% of the quarterbacks in the league. Well, I mean, Tom Brady's not very mo- mobile. Right, but he's also one of the 2% that isn't, but he's Tom Brady. Yeah. I'm <laughs> just saying you know, that he's not... Do you, think, do you think the average Giant fan would like to have a guy... More like a Russell Wilson than a Andrew Luck. The average Giants fan, yes. The average Giants fan. Do you think that's because just that's the way the league is going or just because the Giant fan is smart and knows this offensive line could use some help with a more mobile quarterback? Not one that's going to run like Michael Vick, but can elude a little better than, you know, what we have now. Uh, A. I, I think just because they think that's the way the league is going, I think they think that's a necessity now, and I think that's because it's partially what's fed to them, mm-hmm. like media and things like that. I guess just highlight reels. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't well, think it's as. I mean, I think that that point of the offensive line is not very good, and they need to make up for it somehow. Is, yeah. Is something that may be trickled into it, but it's not. You know, the first thing on the list that's answered. But we're to, also hoping. That's a relatively short-term solution. And I mean, like, within three years, this offensive line is finished being rebuilt and is at least NFL competent, if not very good. Yeah, so I, gonna... I agree with you. But that, I mean, yeah, yes, I think that is the goal, but I don't think the Giant fan really cares about that much. Yeah, yeah. The average I mean, one. The smart I mean, ones know that no matter what kind of quarterback you have, having a good offensive line is a winning formula. Oh, absolutely. That. Absolutely. But I think the dumb fan thinks that a running quarter, mobile quarterback can make up for a bad offensive line, and that's not the case. It's not. In fact, more often than not, 
I think it leads to a hurt quarterback. I mean, you just start <laughs> naming guys like Robert Griffin, Marcus Mariota, to a certain extent even Andrew Luck, Carson Wentz. I mean, I could go on. Mm-hmm. More often than not, these guys get – even Tony Romo was a very mobile guy. And they don't get hurt because they run around and get hurt. They get hurt because they get crunched from the backside. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they just get, you know, pancaked. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with them because they're running and all of a sudden they get nailed in the open field. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's it's not that they're not smart and they need to learn to slide. It's it's just as no, you said. They no. they don't – they're – diving between three guys and it only takes one time where they get clipped that <laughs> it ends everything. Uh, I mean, even if you look at Robert Griffin, I mean, his initial injury happened just on sloppy field conditions, right? But that right. was so much of his game that that impacted the rest of his career. His career is never be the same again. You're right. Um, Nevertheless, I think that's mostly out of the Mariota thing. Uh, a lot of what he does is extend the play, and he's he's keeping his eyes downfield, like you said, closer to an Aaron Rodgers-type quarterback. Mm-hmm. What the Giants need to do on defense is very simple and difficult in that it's not hard to figure out what needs to be done. It's just difficult to execute, and it's assignment football. The Giants cannot allow Derrick Henry to to run right through them. They cannot allow Deion Lewis to bounce runs outside. They cannot allow Marcus Mariota to extend plays by moving around in the pocket and keeping his eyes downfield. Pass rushers have to stay in their lanes. They have to win matchups in the trenches. And they can bully the A-gap. Ben Jones, the center, is not great. Um, he's He's a pretty okay run blocker, but pass blocking, he can get pushed into the backfield. And that's something that they're going to have to exploit. And it's something they did exploit against the Redskins, where they had, you know, whatever I said, the fifth string guards out there, whatever joke I made. But they they truly attacked the middle of the offense. There were A-gap blitz after A-gap blitz after A-gap blitz and, you know, disguised blitzes so that there were screw-ups with, uh, you know, blocking assignments. And then the rush was coming off the edge. I mean, they need to exploit the weakness at center. Mm -hmm. Um and and really, 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 and I cannot stress this enough, stay in their lanes. Don't over-pursue. Don't try and do too much because that's where you get burned. I think we're going to know in this game, the end of the first quarter, time of possession. I think if you're going to see, if Tennessee has the ball for, like for 10 minutes or something, if they have two drives and they're eating up clock, eating up, up clock, this could be a very, very long game for the Giants. Yeah, and and quite honestly, this is what I'm most worried about, especially after what we've seen for the last couple of weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I playing against backup quarterbacks. The Giants did everything right defensively last week until you know the the give up portion of the fourth quarter. Garbage time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the way they needed to play against the Bears, and they didn't, and they allowed it to get into overtime. That's right. the way they needed to play, you know, against San Francisco, and that game was Philly. closer than it should have been. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this has the potential for being, you know, a, a giant victory. Also, the potential for getting blown out, you know, mm-hmm. by, you know, getting dominated with the, with the offensive line. So, what do you think? What's your, uh, what's your prediction as we sit here on a Thursday night? <sighs> I, I think Infamous that... grump sigh. <laughs> I think that the Giants struggle very hard to win the time of possession battle, just like you said. Um, 
I, I think that the Titans defense is very physical and disciplined and it and it it makes riding the Saquon Barkley train hard for the Giants. I think that you know, the Titans just put up points consistently and early and the Giants just get behind on it and I think they lose something close to 27-13. Not a blowout, but out of reach for sure. Is that 27-13 a late score to make it 27 or something where Yeah, I think I think it's one of those things where it's 20 to 13 and Giants fans are still there hoping and then there's just this long aching drive that ends in 7 for Tennessee and there's only like third and 8 first yeah, down, third and 9 yeah, first exactly. down. You know and the then story. there's there's only like two minutes left for the Giants to get two touchdowns. It's just not going to happen. And not having Beckham most likely kind of hurts the chances for the quick score by the Giants. Or, well, to be very honest, we really haven't seen it from him this year anyway. So. No, we've seen it from Barkley. <laughs> we've seen it from Barkley of all people. So um, I just don't want to see a regression going back to if the Barkley running isn't super effective early giving up on it. That would and be the a, worst thing they could do. And all of a sudden we look up and Eli has, you know, he's 30 for 51. You know, if we see 51 pass attempts, they're not winning this game. Nope. I think something Grump has harped on quite a bit on this show, stay committed even if it's not successful early because, you know, right now he's the best player on the field. And he's getting better every week. And he's the one guy who creates something out of nothing. And the threat of him doing a lot of different things is very real. It opens up everything else. You know, if if we see in the first half he has nine carries for 33 yards, and then we see that first drive, pass, 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 we might as well go home. Yeah. They're not winning. And... <laughs> That is what I just described is my prediction is what is going to happen this week. I think that Barkley, you know, there's been a lot of attention on Barkley this week after last week. Um, I think he'll start off slow. That's a, that's a good defense we're seeing. I think you'll see in the first half nine carries for 33 yards. And I'd see a lack of commitment in the second half to him. And I think we're going to see that Eli 50 pass attempt game. And I think we're going to lose something to the effect of 20 to 20 to 14, something like that. And just a real deflating crowd. I mean, there's not going to be that many Tennessee fans there. I mean, you'll see some Mariota jerseys, but this isn't like what we saw with Chicago fans showing up or Philly fan or anything. I just see it being kind of an ornery, cranky fan. Um, that's me cranky crowd and I think being very deflated at the end. What do we think happens around the NFC East, Indianapolis and Dallas? I think Dallas is on a roll. This is this is an important game to see if Dallas is really ready, you know, to go into the playoffs on a real roll. It's a game they need to win to kind of, you know, and I think they will. I think they'll win kind of an ugly game, something like 19 to 10. I think that I agree with you. I think this is an important game for Dallas. I think this is, I think Andrew Luck is really, really just about to heat up. And I think that this is an upset one for Indianapolis. 
Well, that'd, that'd be nice. Um, and, and the reason I think that is because Dallas really should have manhandled Philadelphia, and it it took a fluke play in overtime to to really seal the deal. Indianapolis at home well, that, well, is not very, Philadelphia. That Philly game was strange. I mean, that was a, a defensive battle, and all of a sudden, again, you, know, you snap your fingers, and all of a sudden the fireworks started. It was just a it was just a weird game. Sure. Still, though, I I, I think. Indianapolis is really starting to figure out, um, you know, how yeah, to win are. with their new offensive line and stuff. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville plays Washington. <laughs> uh, Washington is going to circle the drain the rest of the year. I don't predict them winning another game. This game's in Washington? This game is in Jacksonville. This game's in Jacksonville? <laughs> uh Jacksonville's gonna win and again another stinkeroo, something like twelve ten. I think that Jacksonville wins this game. Um they are not good, but Washington is just they've quit on their team. They I think they've quit on their team. We mentioned it in last week's show. Is that a scenario where you fire your coach even though the quarterback is hurt? Um, whatever scrub is starting for them at quarterback doesn't make a difference. Yeah, I, I just, I think Jacksonville's defense is starting to play better too. So let's go ugly with the win for them. And uh, the Rams in Philadelphia, we already kind of talked about a little bit, but what do you, what do you think? I think that could be a blowout. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's a game where the Rams get off their little malaise. I think they just feast on that secondary. I think they win something like 37-10. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I think Philadelphia is bad, and this is the worst possible matchup for them is um, a downfield offense against their yeah. bad secondary. Seems similar to when we played the Rams last year. A little later in the season, but you know, a banged-up secondary, and it could get ugly. I hope that there are Giants fans excited not vo- not rooting for a tank and are showing up to games. I cannot stress that enough. Oh, I, I think we're done with the tanking business. I mean, now it's – I would like to see fans excited and hopeful that they are in a playoff hunt. I, I wouldn't go overboard. I wouldn't get cocky. I wouldn't assume anything. But I would classify this game as a meaningful game in December. And I don't think anybody thought that was possible after Dallas in week two, after being one and eight, after all this stuff. So you're looking for things to be thankful for. Be thankful for the fact that, you know, you're watching this game, you're scoreboard watching for the other scenarios we talked about. And if you're still thinking about tanking at this point, you know, you, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. You need I mean, to find some joy in life. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just joy in life. You just have to, you have to recalibrate what is reasonable at this point. You know, we're no longer at it's reasonable to think they're going to drop all the way to, you know, an obvious pick that's going to help get a quarterback. And let's be honest, when you are talking about tanking in the NFL, you're talking about getting a quarterback. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we are in that kind of midway space between we're too good to tank but not good enough really for the playoffs. So, you know something? Root for them to win. I mean, it was perfectly acceptable last week to root for, against a team you hate. 
mean, that's kind of why I like college more than the NFL, that winning the championship isn't the end-all, be-all in college. Beating your rivals is very, very important. And I get it. You know, it's not the same in the NFL, but when you beat the shit out of a Washington, that should make you feel good regardless of your record. I mean, we still have Dallas coming up in a couple of weeks. If it's irrelevant for the playoffs, you still want to beat them and beat those fucks. So... All right, everyone, I hope to see you there on Sunday or at least be seeing your tweets while you are glued to your TV. Um, you can always find me on Twitter at football underscore grump. I spend more time than any human should on Twitter. <laughs> well, you and Trump. <laughs> Oof, ouch. Rough company, man. Well, two guys that are probably on Twitter too much. <laughs> at least you get some inside information and in- no facts from the football underscore grump. So give <laughs> no, a fault. No, no fake news here. <laughs> you catch me as always on the Twitter machine at the cranky fan. We are talking about obviously this playoff push the Giants are making or attempting. We're talking about the upcoming bowl game for my Florida Gators. We were talking about the fact that my Tampa Bay Rays are probably moving to Montreal in after 2026. Uh, we are making fun of UCF in every moment we can. So give me a follow. I am just throwing grenades out all over the place. And as always, you can find the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. It also has a Twitter page. That's at just giants pod. Be sure to give that a follow in case you don't check your SoundCloud or iTunes regularly and need a reminder. Um, That's all for this week, so have a good weekend. See you Sunday. Go Giants. Go Giants.